Hello, and welcome to Unknowable, the podcast where we talk about all things mysterious, unusual, or unknowable. I'm Justine. And I'm Gray. Some weeks we break down one larger mystery between the two of us. Other weeks we pick two smaller mysteries on a theme and teach each other about them based on our own independent research. This week, we have two psychological concepts? Yeah, phenomena. Phenomena? Phenomena. (laughs) Two phenomenons. Two phenomenons. Yeah, they're both things that have theories but no definitive source. Right. It's kind of cool. We're pretty good at picking themes. I think so too. I think. Yeah. It's kind of amazing how it happens. I'm always interested. They And like weirdly, we always find out while we're recording, like, oh wow, these actually go together really well. Yeah. It's like you'd think we planned it, but we... Didn't. We really didn't. <laughs> we literally look at our list of possible topics and we're just like trying. It's like that card matching game mm-hmm. where you're like flipping over cards to try to find ones that are the same. Yep. We're just trying to stare at this like, which of these two are kind of related. Right. Yeah. So this week. <laughs> this week. <laughs> I'm going to talk about Folly Ado. And I'm talking about the Call of the Void. So. It's going to be cool. It's intense. Yeah. And Gray's going to go first. I'm going to go first. Okay. So. Folly ado. Yes. It's a psychological concept that essentially refers to shared madness is sort of the, the old timey way to put it, or it's in a more psychological terms, it's shared delusion. Okay. So to preface it before you start to think of like what it actually is, you have to realize like what it's not. So if you are part of a culture and your culture believes something very strongly, no matter how crazy it sounds to, you know, a Western person or whatever, if you believe the same things that your larger culture believes, then it's not considered to be a delusion. It's not considered to be like a mental illness. So there's a lot of cases of, you know, people in a certain culture believing something that we would consider to be a delusion in the West, but because it's part of their culture, it's what they've learned from since they were growing up, it's not considered folly ado. It doesn't fall under that same category. Um, it's kind of like a weird psychological concept. It's not even in the Diagnostic and Statistic Manual for Mental Disorders. Hmm. Um, it's There's some related ones, but folly ado in and of itself is not considered to be a its own standalone mental disorder. Okay. Um, but it basically consists of two or more people who share a delusion, who share some sort of, usually there's like hallucination involved or there's some sort of like, like paranoia un- underlying the, the delusion. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you can, so there's folly ado, which is the folly of two people. Um, you can also have folly a trois, folly a quatre, Folly en famille, folly a plusiers. We are so good I at French. Just butchered French. Yes. I'm so sorry to everybody who speaks French. Yeah, everybody who actually speaks French. But basically those translate to folly of three, folly of four, folly of the family, hmm. or the folly of many. So the most known is two people, but you can have a whole family. I'm going to talk about a specific instance of a whole family. Um, oh, I think I might know what it is now. Right? No, that's no, that's another one. Oh, damn. But there's another one that damn. I know you're going to know about. I like that you know which one I thought that it is, and you know it's not that one. Yes. All right. Cool. cool. We'll get there. We'll I'm get excited. there. Um, so, broadly speaking, there's two sorts of, like, types of folly ado. There's folly imposé, where there's a sort of, like, dominant person who's 
enforcing their will on a like subservient person. Hmm. So th- they're called the inducer and the acceptor. Whoa. So there's one. So it's usually like the inducer is strong, dominant personality who convinces a more subservient personality acceptor into believing whatever delusion they believe through either being like charismatic or shared trauma. There's a lot of cases of like, um, if you ever have like a a husband who like murders, like he's like a serial killer Mm. and like the wife helps, um, you know, not to be like sexist and use like gendered stereotypes, but that's usually the, the breakup is the, the male is like the dominant one in that relationship and the female sort of like accepts it and may believe some sort of, delusions in and in in and of the murder itself of like they're serving the will of god or who knows what so that would be like folly impose or there's folly simultane simultane i'm like i'm like going like spanish (laughs) yeah i was gonna say that felt (laughs) can't speak french um but it's so the idea of folly simultane is um you have two people who already have a pre-existing mental disorder Mm -hmm. and they sort of come together and create a delusion together. So it's not one person. One of them may have like the genesis of the delusion and bring it to the other person, but they sort of develop it and flesh it out together rather than one person imposing on another person. In terms of treatment, um, when you have folly impose, you have the inducer is really hard to treat. Mm. They are usually have the strongest like sense of delusion and they require medication to Mm. sort of like lose their delusion. Whereas the secondary or the acceptor in the relationship, nine tenths out of 10, if you just remove them from the inducer, then they will start to get better and they start to realize that the delusion was a delusion. Right. With folly simultaneous, you have both people to get treated. They both usually require medication. Mm -hmm. Um, which I think the whole that sort of explains how it functions in the brain a little bit. Like, it's sad to think about somebody being like kind of subservient to someone else and then believing it so hard that you develop like delusions or hallucinations or you yeah. full on like see what they're seeing. Yeah, it's wild. Freaks me out. So I've I've been super general this whole time. It's probably hard to follow what I'm saying because I'm not using specific examples. Yeah, but I'm really I'm gonna, excited for examples. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get into some examples. Okay. Yes. All right. So there's one case of Margaret and Michael. They weren't identified by last names. So they were like an an older couple who Mm -hmm. lived together. And they believed that people would sneak into their house at night and sprinkle dust and like dust bunnies and basically like make their house dirty while they were sleeping. Hmm. And also would like take their shoes and like wear down their shoes while they were sleeping. So they essentially believed that they would wake up every day and the house was dirtier than it was when they went to bed. Right. And that their shoes were more worn down than they were when they went to bed. Weird. <clears throat> and so they both fully believed that people were entering their home to do this. So it's like a we- it's like a really like wow. disturbing thing to think about. Right. Like and like they fully believed it. Seemingly like a relatively harmless belief, I guess depending on like how paranoid they got right. about it, like how much they were freaking out about it. Right. But if you just thought that was a thing like okay that freaks me out like, that would freak the hell out of me if i thought yeah. that was true right because that's like they're not breaking into like steal anything they're just breaking yeah. into like take sandpaper to your shoes or something exactly yeah it's like freaky. why why would somebody do that right um that was a case of um 
Folly Simultane, where mm-hmm. they sort of both had a pre-existing mental disorder and started living together and developed this delusion together. Interesting. There wasn't an, an inducer or an acceptor. <clears throat> um, next case study. Um, this might be the one you're thinking of. Mm. So in Melbourne, Australia. Yes. There was a family of five. Yes. Who all of a sudden packed up their car um, in a really like panicked, but also kind of like like mechanical and like robotic way. They just packed up their car, not talking to each other. It's all, I think there's a video. Mm. They're like, like their house had like a security camera. And so there's security camera oh, footage of them doing this. Awesome. They're packing up their car, totally quiet, not talking to each other, panicking. And they drove halfway across the, um, the state of Victoria mm. in okay. Queensland. Um, I don't know if it's a state scene. Yeah, the province? Sure. Province the, of Queensland? Right. I'm never Victoria. really sure how that works. I don't know. They don't drove know. halfway. They drove a thousand miles. Yeah. From where they that's, were. That's pretty substantial. Um, because they thought that somebody was trying to rob or kill them. Interesting. One member of the family was like the genesis of this. Yeah. This delusion. And the rest of them fully believed it to the point that they were helping and that they were like all running together Jesus. but there was in this case there was an inducer who believed who made the whole family believe this delusion mm-hmm. um i remember there being like the kids were on the older side like at least teenagers yeah and i remember because this was on buzzfeed unsolved oh interesting it was awesome oh, and they i remember them talking about like some of the kids like they would stop at various places like for gas or whatever and at some point like a few of the like the kids kind of started breaking away from the group like, right. one by one, or, like, pairs at a time or whatever, to be like, uh. And then they'd either, like, come back, like, they'd find them, or they would just be gone. But right. I feel like it seemed like some of the kids maybe were like, um, time to go. I don't think this is real. Yeah, this is not really happening, but it seemed like the parents were, like, in it exactly. the whole time. So that that might be more, more like, described as folly ado rather mm. than folly en famille. Right. Because the parents absolutely 100% believed it. Yeah. And the kids were more, you know, I mean, what choice do they have? You know, well, yeah, I'd be freaked out if my parents were seemingly, like, convinced of something. Like, you would be like, okay, shit, let's right. go. Right. But then maybe at some point, like, the more they talked about it or maybe they asked questions on the drive and they're like, mm, this doesn't, this doesn't seem real. But I remember they either, it was on BuzzFeed Unsolved or I watched on my own, but, like, they talked to the at least the kids after and, like, the kids even then were like, I don't really know what right. happened. Like, it wasn't even like, yeah, my parents are nuts. We don't know what that was about. Like, they were just right. like, I don't know why we did that. Like, they didn't really have an explanation. Right. For, like, even, like, oh, yeah, we definitely thought it was this. They're just like, shit, I don't know what just happened. Right. And that's why it's interesting. Like, I'll get into it after the, the case studies. But, like, the sort of, like, genesis of it isn't clear. And there's yeah. no, it's not like, you know, schizophrenia presents in your, you know, when you're in your early 20s and... There's all these, like, neurological, like, signs and symptoms that you can, like, sort of latch onto and understand, like, why it's happening. Mm. But, like, Folly Ado, it's just super, like, random. And you can have that onset when you're, like, a child. You can be that uh, Michael and Margaret were, like, pretty old living in their house this way. So, like, it it, it varies. We have no idea why it happens. Hmm. It's freaky. That's part of why it's scary. Right. That you just don't, like don't know when it could strike or like who it would strike with right or what the idea would be or like what the hell you do you could be a very healthy person you just meet the right inducer yeah. and all of a sudden you're believing people are breaking into your house to wear down your shoes Dude, it makes sense honestly yeah. like i don't know if i've ever been part of that but like i have met some people in my life where it's like 
that stereotype of like somebody who could like you jump off a bridge for them. Like right. people, there are people who will just make you mm-hmm. believe anything. Like you will just go along with whatever. Definitely more into that when I was like a teenager. I feel like it was like yeah. much more easy to be like influenced by somebody and just be like, woo, and just yeah. do crazy shit. Right. You know, like the person that your parents didn't like mm-hmm. that you would become friends with. And then you'd start to like go out late at night and like not come home when you're supposed to and like start drinking. And your parents are like, what the fuck? Hmm. Yeah. Might, I might know who you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. There were maybe a few friends like that. But yeah, you just, but when you were with that person, you like just didn't, you know, it's not quite the same, but I could see that that could like escalate oh, yeah. to that. Where like, I definitely maybe had some friends at that point in my life when, if they were like, dude, we're being chased. Like we got to go. I'd be like, shit. Okay. Right. And maybe you'd question it at first, but like, like the longer you sort of like lived with it, yeah. I could imagine it just completely, you started to believe it. Cause that's your way of life. Like yeah. you kind of don't have a choice at that point. Right. It's freaky. Man, that's awesome. Um, have you heard of the company Theranos? No, I don't think so. It was big in the news a couple of years ago. Um, it was this healthcare company. This woman started it. Um, she was hailed as like the youngest female billionaire in America <laughs> for starting this company called Theranos. Essentially what they did was they made a machine that would t- like test your blood for various diseases but it was almost like Redbox style. They were trying to sell them to like, they got like a contract for Walgreens. Whoa. They had all these crazy people who like co-signed them too, like Henry Kissinger, weirdly enough. <laughs> but, um, so they were basically going to like revolutionize healthcare by, you know, having, you know, really cheap blood tests and really accurate blood tests and stuff. And it was a huge company. They never actually rolled anything out. Um, but like right when they were like at their sort of zenith of like the, the, the company was valued at like $9 billion at one point. Jesus. Um, and then all of a sudden it started to come out that like these tests were not nearly as like comprehensive or um, accurate as they were purporting that they were. Mm. Um, and basically the whole thing like just collapsed in on itself and like they Damn. found out that like that they were defrauding investors. And um, so it basically like blew up really fast and then like imploded on itself really fast as yeah. a company. Um but there, I was reading this article about how the founder, um, Elizabeth Holmes, who was the CEO of Theranos, and her husband or partner, um, Ramesh Balwani, who was the COO. So she's the CEO. He's the COO of the company. They were also in a relationship together that they were suffering from folly do because they both... It's like they were like convicted of like defrauding investors, but... Mm. This article is making the argument that, like, it's actually not an article, it's a, it's a whole book. But, oh, wow. Um, they were making the argument that they fully believed that their machine did what it said that they did. Interesting. And that, like, anybody who was trying to, like, showing them science that, like, it wasn't, was either lying or, like, falsifying scientific studies. Hmm. And they fully believed to the end that, like, their machine really tested for what it said it tested. Wow. And provided the results that it did. And uh, they just refuse to think <clears throat> otherwise. Right. <laughs> and that was interesting because I had like read about that in the news and I never, and I didn't read about it from that perspective. And I'm yeah. like, wow, that's a really like fascinating like case study and right? very, very visible folly you do. <laughs> I bet there's more like that. Right. I could see that. Like that's like its own form of, right. I don't even know what you'd call that. Like, but just, yeah, being so convinced that your your whatever is going to be successful and is going to work. Right. And, like, any, like, logical, scientific proof otherwise is just like, nope. Nope, they're making it up. Yeah, they're making it up. Like, and I think that's where it becomes, like, the delusion. It's not right. just, like, 
no, you're wrong. It's like, no, you're conspiring against me. Right. This is like a whole thing. You're all like planning right. this together. Like and it's like, I think it's like, par- like what kind of like ties all these together is paranoia. Yeah. And that like there's somebody out to get you or there's somebody who's like trying to like get one over on you. Damn. That's kind of what all of these have in common. Yeah. Um, Which is also scary too because it would make you turn on like everybody. Right. Except for that one person who shares your delusion. Yeah. And that's the only person you can trust in life because they see the world the way that you do. Jesus. It's freaky. Yeah, that's not good. I, I didn't see any anything about this, but I wonder if cults fall into this. I was going to ask that. I, did, I couldn't find any like, there's no like direct links. I think it's a related function of the brain but right. i don't think it's you can't call like a cult like folly and familial or whatever hmm. i wonder why because it's like not quite it's not the same as like a cultural belief right because it's not spanning yeah an entire area it's right. general i mean cults are generally a pretty small group right but and usually there is a leader of the cult a charismatic inducer right and then i mean it's not just one person that's being what was the the word for the other person um a acceptor an acceptor yeah. yeah so there's usually more than one acceptor but still a group of acceptors right being influenced by one inducer right that seems like it would fit and they all believe fully what the inducer is telling them like yeah. the uh, heaven's gate cult fully believed that they were gonna you know leave their bodies and get hitched up to a ufo that was flying by on Haley's comet yeah and there are a fully lot of people that it. left cults or if a cult like got dissolved somehow that afterwards were just like, I don't fucking know. Right. Like, they don't know how they got swept up in it, how they believed it so fully. Right. But they're just like, yeah, that. I bet it is. I bet it's related. They just haven't been able to, like, scientifically draw, like, a... Because, I mean, the fact that Folly Adu isn't even in the DSM... Right. ...shows that it's probably not super well understood. Because I get the impression that it's sort of, like, like is a function of several different mental disorders Mm. rather than just being like its own diagnosis. It's sort of like a, you have schizophrenia and this other person has this other disorder and you have all you do together, even though you have two fully unrelated disorders. Right. So it's like, it's hard to pin down in that way. So I, maybe cults are a good example of it, but it hasn't been like, you know, proven beyond a doubt. So there must be people out there who are not susceptible really. Right. Though... I mean, yeah. not susceptible in their present state of mind. Right. But I imagine almost anybody, given the right circumstances, could fall for exactly this, especially given mm-hmm. the right charismatic inducer. Well, and I bet some of it is probably somewhat like anxiety-induced, mm-hmm. too. Oh, yeah. I could see that that would be a lot easier to fall into if you were already like in a heightened state of anxiety yep. for any reason, right. like not even related to whatever you freak out about right but just that that like heightened and that would add to the paranoia yep but i could see that that would just be like shit and then you meet someone else who's just as anxious as you are and one of you plants the seed in the other one's head of like oh like i bet it's like this bat shit like i bet people are breaking in and sandpapering our shoes right and you're like fuck that makes a lot of sense because yeah. like i noticed that my so shoes are like sense. more worn down and then that just sets you on that's the ball rolling. This is very similar to my phenomena because I think it has similar, and you'll see when I talk about this, but I think they both have similar aspects of the fact that like probably a lot of people, whether it was with another person or even kind of on their own or like just as a result of somebody like suggesting something have almost started down the path of like fully ado yeah. to be like believing something kind of out there, right? but are able to stop themselves right. early to be like, no... I'm not going to do that and just not let themselves go down that path. Yeah. 
kind mm-hmm. of along the lines of like the intrusive thoughts where like yeah. almost everybody has intrusive thoughts of some kind, but just most people are able to just be like, nope. Compartmentalize it. Exactly. Like yeah. do something to stop it in its tracks. Even if you let it go crazy once in a while, like it's not a thing that's like ruining your life. Right. Interesting. Right. Super cool. Also, an X-Files episode. Yeah. Called Fully Ado. Oh yeah. Look it up. Yeah. It's awesome. That's a good one. Too. We were just talking about it. It's a dude who works at like a telemarketing type of like, he's in an office with cubicles and he starts to like see weird stuff around the office, particularly concerning his boss, where he'll see these weird flickers, like kind of out of the corner of his eye type of thing, where the boss looks like a giant insect. Like he's clearly like a monster. Yep. And then he starts to notice that like his coworkers will go in to have like a meeting with the boss and go in totally normal and then they'll come out and to this worker they'll look i like i feel like i remember them looking like yeah kind of like zombies or like kind of dead looking yeah and he was like fuck like they had been changed by this boss what is interesting because it seems to be implied like classic this type of scenario because it seems like he's been working there for a bit right like he knows his co-workers and like he hates his job but whatever he knows people yeah but all of a sudden the boss like turns into this monster. Right. And then I remember he like, he holds up the whole place and like holds the guy hostage because he's like, in his mind, he's like losing his shit. Like, dude, how does nobody see this? Like you're all being changed. And everybody's just like, holy shit, dude. But he's completely convinced. It's a good episode. And I think the folly do comes in to play because doesn't Mulder try to believe it? Yes. Mulder (laughs) comes in, I think to like defuse the hostage situation. And I'm pretty sure ends up getting held hostage himself. Yep. And I, he might have done that on purpose. I feel like it would be a Mulder thing to Classic like. Classic Mulder. Yeah, to let like, oh, why don't you let them go? You don't really need them. Right. But then Mulder starts to see it. Mm-hmm. That the boss actually is a monster. Classic Mulder. Of course, Classic Mulder. And he starts to see his like true form. And then he's like, oh shit. Fuck. And then of course, like nothing happens to the boss because everybody's like, this guy's nuts. Yeah. And like further proven by him holding everybody hostage with a gun. Right. And, but then Mulder's like, we got to do something about this because this guy actually is a monster. Yeah. And he is. He totally is. Oh, I don't yeah. remember how that ends, but. Not me neither. Look it up. Episode. It's a great episode. Yeah. Look it up. Watch it. Watch X-Files if you haven't already. Watch X-Files. <laughs> watch the whole series. Well. All right. So I got two more. Yes. I'm going to save the kind of the craziest one for last. So this one's pretty crazy though. So Christine and Leah Papin. These two French girls, um, 1933, um, living in Le Pen, France. Um, That's pretty so, good, anyway. I think. I mean, I don't know what it's supposed to sound like, <laughs> but sounds it sounds legit. Um, so they were, like, maids. They, like, worked cleaning this, like, really nice house for this, like, um, like husband, wife, and, like, their kids. Like, really rich family. This giant mansion. Um, they were both really quiet. They only spoke to each other. They kind of kept to themselves, these two girl they were sisters um so one day the husband leaves and the two girls torture and murder the woman like the 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 owner of the house and her daughter genevieve wow um so they like ripped out their fingernails gouged out their eyes stabbed them multiple times really gruesomely tortured and murdered these this the wife and the daughter and when the police showed up the two sisters were laying naked in bed together, covered in blood. Oh. Yeah, there's a weird sexual undertone to their hmm. whole relationship, too. Yeah. Um, 
And they said, like, when they asked, like, why, like, they fully admitted, like, yeah, we did this. And they're like, what happened? They're like, a fuse just burst and we just had to do it. Ooh. Like, they, they, like, fully admitted it, but, like, didn't really, like, give a good reason why. Damn. And the older sister was totally, like, the inducer, I think, in this relationship. Um, when they both went to, like, psychiatric um, facilities to, like, you know, be cared for or whatever. Because they were clearly something, something not right there. Yeah. Um, the younger sister was, like just kind of like not catatonic but just like quiet and kept to herself just kind of did her did her own thing but the older sister would like the longer she was away from the younger sister would like scream and flail and um i think even have seizures and like have like a really like strong physiological response to being separated from her sister Mm. but when they would like bring them together which i'm not clear why they would bring them back together i think i would keep them separated um the older sister would get like really like touchy-feely and like almost like a sexual way with her sister and like there was like a very like strange relationship that they had already um but they both just this was sort of interesting because there's not a strong like maybe they have this strong um like narrative or story in their head that they were telling each other that they both believed that led them to have to kill in this very gruesome way torture and kill their boss and her daughter essentially um but it never came out they never said why they basically just said that they like snapped yeah and i thought that was like super creepy because they both those girls probably knew exactly why in their head and they could have explained it but they didn't right and i want to know why Uh, what did they see it makes it seem like the white like the uh boss and her daughter like were kind of like wrong place at the wrong time right it wasn't against them specifically right it was just or like same thing like what if like they believed that like the wife was like some monster or some serial killer like they thought that they were like doing something good by killing this woman yeah jesus christ right i did not see that coming right right just like oh two sisters and then they gruesomely killed somebody like okay really awfully shit damn um yeah all right (laughs) so you ready for what i so i was floored by this because i didn't even think about this when i started researching okay you do cool but this is the case that I wouldn't necessarily associate with it, but now it's going to make sense. But you definitely know of it. Yes. The Slenderman murder. Oh, shit. Yeah. Right? Totally. Fucking A. Yep. So you got in Waukesha, Wisconsin, mm-hmm. these two girls, um, Anissa Wire and Morgan Geyser, lured their friend Peyton Lutner, yeah. Lutner? into the woods and repeatedly stabbed her in the throat and chest. Ugh. She survived. She survived. Which is fucking wild. Yeah, she's still alive. Because they, they, like, the, the, the knife was like a millimeter away from her heart, mm-hmm. like lacerated her liver and like her organs. Like she was, it was awful. Yeah. But these two girls did this. They lured her into the woods to kill her to impress Slenderman. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure most of our listeners are familiar with who Slenderman is, but Slenderman was created for um, the, web, the website, Creepypasta. Yeah. The forum. Creepy forum, boss yeah, I guess a forum. So he was created as like a, a creepy story as this tall, faceless, slender man yeah. who wearing, wears like a black a suit. suit, may or may not have tentacles coming out of his back, mm, who's yeah. just kind of generally creepy, like creeping around in the woods. Um, I'm sure there's mythology about what he does, but... Yeah, um, which is cool because it's been developed not even really by the creator right at this point it's it like has taken on the own. Yeah, it's so creepy it's so creepy well it was cool i heard an episode of another podcast about the slender man killings yeah. but they were talking about the inception of him yeah being like the guy who did it it was literally just a thread that was like make up a 
a creepy character, I think. Right. And the dude had posted some photographs, like old, you know, old looking photographs of like kids at a playground or whatever type of thing. And then he would like Photoshop in the Slender Man, like kind of off in the distance, like in the woods. Yeah. But he would make like little captions for the photos. So it was like a really unique thing. It wasn't just like an illustration or something of like a creature. Right. It was like he kind of made this weird backstory that made it sound really believable. Right. Like one of them was referring to there being like some kind of fire or something I remember. Hmm. Like the school had caught on fire and it was saying that like these are the only photos that were like recovered or something. And it was like showing these kids with like the Slender Man in the background. So it just kind of made you feel like you were really yeah. reading like, you know. Real some, history. Yeah, real history. So I think that like helped with it taking off because yeah, just one dude it's wild. did this and it just fucking exploded. And so like it's 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 interesting because it's not like Chupacabra or like uh, the Jersey Devil where it's like uh, something that is sort of like predates like the internet or predates right. like our consciousness of cryptids. Mm-hmm. It's something that was very like we can point to the exact like day and year that it was created yeah. and the person who created it. Yeah, and yet. These two girls were, or the, um, Anissa was really like the, the inducer in the situation. Mm. Um, but I mean like Morgan was definitely like a willing participant. But oh yeah. Anissa was the more dominant one who sort of like led this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, she wanted to impress Slenderman. She thought that like, she was like meant to be with Slenderman. Yeah. And in order to impress him, she had to murder her friend. They wanted who was to go actually, to his mansion. Yeah. Which is super creepy. Super creepy. Maybe the creepiest part about this whole story is that they, so they were going to go kill her. They were like brought her into the woods Mm -hmm. and they like, um, taped her mouth up and like taped her arms and stuff. But then like, didn't, didn't do anything. And they like decided like, no, we're like, we're not going to do it. Like for whatever reason, like we're not going to do it right now. Like it wasn't right. And so, uh, Anissa later, later said that like Slender Man told her that, um, her friend had to live another day. Oh, so Jesus. then they then they were able to convince her the next day to oh go God. back into the woods with them. Jesus. Right. Which is super freaky. Like you go into the woods with these two girls and they tie you up. Yeah. And they have a knife and then they like let you go. And the next day they're like, hey, you want to come back in the woods? And you're like, yeah. Sure. Why not? What are the odds of that happening? What, what can happen? What can happen? Yeah. You definitely couldn't tie me up and pull out a knife. It's freaky. So this is a very clear, like, I like this one because it, it has a very clear narrative mm. that you understand why the two girls did what they did. Like, yeah. as, as awful and horrific and batshit crazy as it is, yeah. you understand it and there's a reason and there's a character and there's, like, a, a plot yeah. that you can follow that you know that these two girls were totally immersed in. Whereas the other ones, they're sort of creepy, but, like, they don't have as strong of a narrative, I feel like. Right. And the Slenderman thing is batshit because, like you said, it's not... Like, Slenderman is kind of its own unique, I don't know, unique thing just because, yeah, even with the Chupacabra and Mothman and every other creature like that that exists that's sort of like an urban legend or a cryptid or whatever, like, those all have supposed sightings. Like, those didn't start as just, like, a story and then people are like, oh, no, it's real. Like, those started as people seeing something and kind of creating a character around, like, what they think it is based on what people saw and, like, right. common descriptions. Right. But Slenderman, like you said, can be pinpointed to an exact day and time. Right. You can go and look at that thread. Right. And see, like, this is the moment. That when, Slenderman was created. Oh, I can't remember the guy's username. It's a great username, though. But whatever his username is. Yeah. Created Slenderman. 
And yeah, it took off on its own and people have all kinds of different things. Like I don't think the tentacles are part of his design, but like that came later. And obviously like there's a movie about him Oh yeah, and all kinds of stuff. Um, so it is, yeah, it's batshit because it's just like, we know that this was just something that people made up. Right. It still is super creepy. Super creepy. And if you've ever seen the YouTube series, uh, Marble Hornets, nope. it's kind of loosely based on the Slenderman. I don't think they call him the Slenderman. I forget what they call him. Not the Slenderman, but it's seemingly like the same dude. Yeah. It's a creepy ass YouTube series because they made it. It's supposed to be like these dudes were working on this like school film project together and it kind of like went off the rails and they ended up like one of the dudes that was kind of going a little crazy, like decided to end it. But then the other friend, I think like goes and finds all the videos. Cause he's like, what the hell happened? Like, I need to know, you know, I need to find all those video clips. And so he, this is the YouTube series is supposedly him going back through the video clips. Oh. So it's kind of a mix because he's not watching them in order really. Right. Um, and so it's kind of a mix of like, stuff that they were doing for this project. I don't know if they were trying to like make a short film or something like that, but then you can see like kind of this dude's descent into madness, his friend. Um, and so the video series is brilliant because there's like tons and tons of videos and the way they put it out initially was like one a week or whatever. Like it was supposed to be him going through the videos, like I'll post relevant things as I find them type of situation. Yeah. And so it felt very believable that like this was really happening, hmm. that this footage was real. Yeah. And there's some scenes where you get like a glimpse of whatever they call him, but it's Slender Man. Yeah. And it is freaky as hell. It's, but it's cool. Cause some of the videos are literally like 30 seconds long. Yeah. And then some are like 15 minutes long. Interesting. So you just like go through, but there's tons and tons of them. That's a cool project. It's cool. Yeah. <laughs> One of those things where it's like, probably not as cool looking at it now, but like at the time it right. was like, Oh shit. Cause you, you fully like put yourself in like, this is fucking real. Yeah. But so I can see, I, I get it. Yeah. I totally get it. I get it to it, to it, to a point. Yeah. And I guess what it comes down to, so what I was fascinated with in like researching Follow You Do is whenever I read about like a psychological concept or like a mental disorder or something, I always try to think of like, what is the mechanism in the human brain that either allowed this to happen or what purpose does it serve in sort of like natural selection and like mm. we as humans, how we got to where we are. And I feel like Follow You Do probably grew out of us being in you know, hunter gatherers were in a small tribe. You sort of like your whole life is the people around you, you know, like the five or 10 people who are like your immediate like tribe. And, you know, one person believes like, no, we can't drink out of that well because the water's poison. Mm. And you have to like, you're just like, all right, we can't yeah. drink out of that well because that person might be right. right. But that person could also just be suffering from a delusion, could have a mental disorder, could have yeah. something else. So there must be some strong will in our brain to identify with and sort of like see the world through the eyes of people that we love and respect mm. that it can go so wrong as to allow us to fully believe a delusion that someone else believes yeah take on the mental illness of someone close to us mm -hmm. in its like full form yeah which is freaky it's freaky well yeah because a lot of these cases are people that are close in some way right. whether they're friends or siblings or yeah, they're families all or whatever close proximity to each other yeah so that makes sense. And yeah, it's not like it's even just like a sympathetic response. Like you are like putting yourself in that person's shoes yeah, and then fully believing. You are seeing the believe. world like through their eyes. Like yeah. you're seeing whatever delusion, you're seeing Slender Man, you're seeing whatever it is that you're seeing. Yeah. Which is super freaky. Which is really intense, especially when you end up killing people. Yeah. Yeah. Or almost killing people. Right. But still. 
still. That was pretty bad. Right. It's wow. wild. Yeah. Shit. Follow, so that's, that's, that's all I got. That was a good one. Follow you do. That was more extensive than mine. Really? Yeah. Sli- slightly more interesting, too. Hmm. But mine's cool. All right. I swear. Let's hear. All right. So, call the void. Yes. Um, if you've ever been driving on the highway and had that momentary thought of, like, I could just swerve into traffic. All or the all the time. Or been on the edge of a cliff is, like, the classic example. Yep. And you just have that moment where you just, like, are, like, I could just jump. That's the more common one for me. Yeah. On, like, when I like to go on the top of parking garages to look at cities. Yep. And I always look over the edge and I always have that thought of, like, what if I jump? Yeah, exactly. I don't want to. No. No. That's the whole thing. Like, you've been on a boat and you had a moment of, like, what it would feel like to just crash into those waves. Yeah. That is the call of the void. Yeah. Or, I don't really know how to say this. It's another French phrase, of course. Uh, La appel du vide. Du vide? Vide? In Mm. French, where the term was first coined. Um, Edgar Allan Poe called it uh, the imp of the perverse. (laughs) Freud called it the death drive. Which I I like that. Classic Freud. Yeah. (laughs) And yeah, around 50% of people, it's estimated, have experienced some aspects of this. Though it's not really talked about that much because... How do you really bring that up? Unless it's with somebody you're close with to be right. like, hey, have you ever like been on a cliff and just thought about jumping? Because most people would be like, mm. yeah. even I feel like if they had experienced it, they'd be like, no. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it hasn't really been definitively explained. So some people try to kind of group that in with suicidal ideation. Hmm. Um, but the fact is that generally the call of the void is a very spontaneous, impulsive thought. Right. While suicide is typically more thought out and planned. Yeah. It's like, I feel like suicide, suicidal ideation, like the word ideation, like you're just, you're focused on it. You're Mm. just constantly pervading your thoughts. Like it's all like, it keeps coming up even if you try to forget about it. Exactly. Whereas the call of the void is like the exact opposite. Exactly. Not thinking about suicide at all. And then you're having a great time on top of a building. And then all of a sudden you're like, what if I jumped? Right. Yeah. It's more of like a curious feeling. Um, We just, we're talking about intrusive thoughts. They kind of both urges come from that same idea like suicidal ideation typically comes from those intrusive thoughts but typically the suicidal ideation would come from a long period of not being able to control those intrusive thoughts and just having them over and over and them torturing you um you know the idea that suicide for a lot of people is a relief you know is the idea that you're being tortured by your own mind and you're having these thoughts and you just aren't able to put them aside or forget about them or function without them impacting your life. (laughs) But the call of the void kind of is just like a single intrusive thought coming in where it's just like, Hey, I could jump off this cliff. I could drive into traffic. Right. Um, But obviously the difference there is that people typically when they experience the call of the void are instantly like, no, like it's not, you're not even really seriously thinking you're not pondering it for real. Right. You just have a moment of just like, what if I did that? Right. Like, what would that be like? Um, which, yeah, it was talking about people, the thought of, yeah, like, even driving down the street and thinking, like, oh, I could, like, just veer over and hit that person. You don't want to hit that person. No. You don't know that person. I hope not. They didn't do anything to you. You don't actually want to kill somebody. Right. It's just the thought of, like, what if. I could. I could. Um, so, yeah, most people feel it, but it's, just, it's not an issue to keep it at bay. Otherwise, more people would probably just veer onto the sidewalk and kill right. people because they'd just be like, I'm just going to see what this is like. It'd be a whole lot more violent crime. But, yeah, it's not a, a serious desire. It's just that weird thought. Hmm. Um, so scientists, a lot of scientists call it the high place phenomenon, which again, doesn't totally encompass it because it's not only being on a high place again, like driving in traffic, being on a boat. It's really anything that you think that would be a destructive thing to do. Right. 
generally like, yeah, pretty crazy destructive thing that you all of a sudden just momentarily out of nowhere are just like, huh. Yeah. It all uh, just flits into your mind and then flits out just as quick. Exactly. So, um, April Smith, an associate professor of psychology at Miami University in Ohio, says, um, quote, an urge to jump reaffirms an urge to live. She co-authored a study about the phenomenon and found that it could potentially be the result of a miscommunication in your brain. So you're like, you're on the edge of a cliff, you, your brain starts to kind of panic to be like, ah, shit, like you're on the edge, like you're getting too close. So you take a couple steps back and then your more rational brain is trying to explain why you took those steps back. And it kind of comes to the conclusion of like, oh, you maybe wanted to jump, which isn't really what it is. (laughs) And I don't really know. Yeah. I don't really buy this one because it's not super satisfying. No. Cause for me, anytime I've experienced the call of the void, it's been a pretty conscious thought. Yeah. Of what would it be like if I jumped? It's it, not like, a, yeah. I don't know. It doesn't, like, it feels to me like it's, it's a, just like, it's almost like present, like your brain's like presenting an option. Like exactly. you have like an A and B choice. Right. Choice A is don't jump, keep don't living jump. your life. But it's like, or you could just jump. You could jump. Yeah. There's <laughs> um Jennifer Hames, part of the Department of Psychology at Florida State University, led a study on it. I think she studied something like 350-ish people. Um, And so part of her summarization was that the call of the void, quote, reflects people's sensitivity to internal cues and actually affirms their will to live. Again, I'm not really sure about that. It's a theory. Um, Adam Anderson, a cognitive neuroscientist at Cornell University, has a theory that it's more along the lines of a tendency to gamble. So essentially, like, if you're afraid of heights... Why not gamble against that and just jump? His quote was, future gain is not as immediate as avoiding present danger. Not really sure about that either. No. Because it doesn't always happen in a situation where you're scared of something. I feel like this like rationalizing it too much. Like I, like you're like, it's assuming that your brain is like more logical than it. Like they're trying to make it seem more logical than it really is. Right. I I don't don't really think think it's logical. No, the only, so one of the only two really. Well, even the last one, I'm not too, totally convinced. But so there's one simple theory that just as humans, we have an innate desire somewhere deep down to sabotage ourselves. I don't really think yeah, it's quite that simple either. I don't think it's that simple, but that's closer. That could be Mark. closer. And then the thing that I thought was closest, um, the quote, vertigo of possibility theory. The idea that we can choose to do such a reckless thing is tempting in itself. Hmm. That's the only one that I could buy. That that seems more like to me. Yeah. Like, I just thought of the drawing this conclusion. So like... Um, playing Grand Theft Auto, mm. you go on top of a high. You can, you can, like you're essentially presented with the ability to do almost everything that you can do in like real life. Yeah. And I personally choose to do like wild shit, like, <laughs> yeah. like I remember when you used to play that crash game. a plane and like jump off a building. Like you can do anything, and it's really just to see like what would happen. Yeah. Like it's just like it's pure experimentation. Yep. I don't think it's like my conscious brain is trying to gamble or something like no i don't buy that no i i can see the vertigo of possibility just because that is i feel like that's part of it is you know yeah you're driving like again the driving example like you're driving along and you just you have this i don't want to say intoxicating because that makes it seem like you're like psyched about it like yes but it is a weird moment of just like i could drive off that bridge i could like crash into traffic i could just like go into that ditch like it is the reminder at times that, like, you could do anything. Right. Of course there will be consequences, and I think that's part of it is that you're not really thinking about those consequences. Like, when you think yeah. about jumping off the cliff, you're not really thinking about 
smashing into the rocks below. Right. You're just thinking about jumping. That's what stops you from actually going through with it. At first you think, I could do this, and then you're conscious or your rational brain kicks in and it's like dude but if you did yeah this shit would happen and you're like oh yeah i probably shouldn't jump right and i think the thing worth mentioning and maybe the reason why people don't talk about it as much is i think the implication to some could be that you're sitting there like for 10 minutes like weighing the options like right. should i hit like all those people that are like standing waiting for that movie or should i just keep driving like you're right. not like pros and cons no. in your brain like whatever like this is happening in like probably pretty close to like a split second yeah you know, you're not sitting there pondering and like, I don't know. Right. What do I feel like doing today? Right. You're, it's so quick. Am so I think people don't talk about it. homicide? Yeah. Like, is this something I feel like doing on this Tuesday? But I think that was what some, if somebody had truly never experienced it, they might assume like, whoa, okay, you're a psycho. Right. But really it's, that's like the whole thing is that it comes and goes like as quickly. Right as anything and then all of a sudden you're just like that was weird which is why it feels to me like it's a it happens so naturally and i remember it happening as such a small child that yeah. it wasn't like culturally imposed on me or anything i feel like it's just a mechanism of the brain like it's yeah. just a some function of your brain that as you're standing on top of a mountain or you're doing something that one of the options is to cause great devastation like mm. your brain just automatically sort of presents that option to you. Yeah. Like it's like not conscious. It's not, it's like programmed in your brain from back when we were monkeys. Yeah. Well, and there's probably all kinds of like, I think the call of the voids like specifically focuses on doing something. Yeah. Destructive. Right. But not only destructive to other people, but at least it's destructive to you. Right. Um, but there's probably other urges that are similar where it's just, yeah, it's that momentary thought of just like, Oh shit. Yeah. Like every possibility is technically open to me. I have a, so one time, though I used to be an art handler and I mm. move, I've moved very expensive paintings. Yes, you have. And so like you'll have a several million dollar painting in your hands and there is that urge to just like, what if I just like, you know, like I've literally thought of like the feeling of a knife, like just slicing up, yeah. like slicing canvas. And it's like a split second while I'm holding a painting. Mm -hmm. And I think about like, what if I just like destroyed this Picasso painting right yeah. now? I haven't, never would. Right. But like that, it's, it's that same idea of like your brain presenting that option. Like you could destroy this right now. You could yeah. destroy this valuable something. It makes sense because all the things that come up, because I think that would count as like call of the void where it's, it's something so. really destructive and would be pretty devastating for you. Right. Wouldn't kill you, but it would be bad. Right. Where, yeah, I think it's just, there's some part of us that just, you're curious about what that would be. Maybe partly because you'd never do it. Right. Like personally, I can't, I mean, I don't know for sure, but I can't imagine ever jumping off a cliff. Yeah. Even if I had like safeguards, I wouldn't, I don't think I'd jump off a cliff with like a parachute. Right. So I don't see that happening, but I think that's part of why your brain has that thought because it's just like, what, what would it be like if right. I did? You wouldn't, but what if you did? Right. What if you did? So it's just that, it's that curiosity of like, part of you does want to know. Right. Like I do... I would love to have things like virtual reality become oh, yeah. more of a thing in my lifetime. Obviously, I don't want to simulate like killing people, but it would be cool to simulate not jumping off a building and dying. But the, the, right. I imagine like the feeling of jumping off a building before you hit the ground would probably be kind of cool. Yeah. Like that free falling. Yeah. As long as you didn't have to die at the end, which you do. So right. that sucks. And that's why most people don't do it because right. whatever. But it'd be cool to feel some of those things because really like realistically, we won't have the option to feel it because right. the only option includes... Death. Jumping off a bridge and dying. Yes. So, I think it's fascinating. Yeah, that is and, fascinating. And, yeah, like, again, people don't really talk about it that much because it makes you sound 
like you might be a little dangerous, yeah. but it's really not a dangerous thing. And tons of people, I mean, I'm sure even the 50% estimate is probably modest. I'd say so. Because again, like this is only relying on doing studies and talking to people. And yeah, again, self, not everybody's going to be like, yeah. yeah Self-reporting is not reliable. No. So, and I think, again, the reason that a lot of people wouldn't admit it is because of worry or shame or right. whatever. But or they might even not... Normal. Like, I, it probably happens and people don't even necessarily realize it. Right. That realizing that they're, like, like, contemplating some, you know, almost, like, worst-case scenario for whatever they're doing. And they, I'm sure that people think about it and they just rationalize in their head as, like, oh, yeah, like, I'm just playing through scenarios in my head. Or yeah. Like, I wasn't thinking about jumping. I was just thinking about, like, what it would feel like if you did jump. You know what I mean? Like, they right. kind of rationalize it away. So I'd bet probably closer to 100% of people have yeah. experienced at least once in their life. Well, I think, yeah, the idea of mental illness and of, you know, being suicidal is such a, like, stigmatized thing in our society. Like, oh, yeah. That if, I think if somebody had a choice of, like, admitting something that implied that they could have some type of mental illness, which this doesn't even, right. but it would be, I feel like people could lump it in with the same oh, yeah. idea that, like, oh, if I say that I felt this... People are going so to think that you, try to, you, you thought about killing yourself. Right, exactly. Like, you thought about killing yourself or, like, oh, you have a mental illness and people are going to be like, no, 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 no. Like, no. Which, again, is also silly, like, as we've talked about. So many people have mental illness oh, yeah. of some degree, of some type, or multiple different types. Yep. It's not a big deal. No. We're all struggling with shit. But everybody, everybody goes to the doctor, but if you go to a therapist, they're like, ooh. Yeah. I got no issues. Right. I got, like, OCD and anxiety and depression and yep. all kinds of shit. It's not a big Same. deal. But a lot of people don't want to be lumped in with that. So I feel like they, you know, if they were asked, even in like a more confidential study, they'd be like, no. Right. Because maybe they don't want to admit that they felt it, but it's not a big deal. It's really just not. something your brain does, which again, I can see would be scary though. Right. Same as like the folia do, like yeah. knowing, even knowing that chances are like if you had like the call of the void, you wouldn't do anything. Right. The idea that your brain could so spontaneously and like without your permission. Right. Be like, oh. What if I just fucking jumped off this ferry? Right. Is a little scary. It is scary. And then, yeah, I mean, one of my biggest fears, it not, it's not even a fear of having mental illness, because again, I do and have for a long time, so it's like, <laughs> right. no point in being scared of that, but right. the idea of, like, truly losing your mind oh, yeah. is terrifying for me. Yep. Because you can't control it. Right. Really. And this would kind of fall in that, like, the idea of, like, what if I was on top of a building and I, like, I had an overwhelming urge to do it and I did it. Right. Like, what if I did just and jump? And you regretted it the second you jumped. Yeah. The second you jumped, you're like, oh, shit. So, thankfully, the call of the void doesn't really do that. Again, this is not the same as suicide or even right. contemplating suicide. Right. But it's it's close enough that I think it probably scares some people. I think so, too. Yeah. So, kind of cool. So, if you've ever felt that in any type of situation where you just had a thought of just, like, what if I did this crazy thing? Yep. You have experienced the call of the void. Happens to me all the time. You're not alone yet. Happens I don't know what time. that means. <laughs> like every time I'm on the edge of any high building, it's just like, no, literally. I could do that. Seriously. Yeah. Yeah. Standing um, in front of a famous painting in, in, in a gallery and I'm like, what if I just punched it? Yeah. Dude, I've been like, I photograph weddings and I've been at a wedding and it's, it's sometimes it's like the thought of, you know, what if I just like threw my camera down and just left? <laughs> Like, what if I just got, like, I'm driving from the ceremony to the reception. I'm like, what if I just went home right now? <laughs> it's not even, like, again, it's not a reflection of anything. It's not right. like I'm having a terrible time. Right. Or I hate my job. I've actually never really experienced that at a wedding that was, like, even stressful particularly. Hmm. It's like a wedding that's just going well and you're having a good time. And then you just have this, like, quick thought of just, like, what if I just 
left. What if I just flip this table with the cake on it? Exactly. Exactly. Like shit like that, where it's like, I wouldn't want to do that. Right. Of course I would never do that. Right. You know, so like some guests are playing Jenga and I'm like, what if I just went over there and just punched through that Jenga <laughs> while they're playing? That's like, probably like the, the, the least destructive thing you can yeah. do. Yeah. It would be kind of funny, but it's just, it's just that feeling. And then you start to think like, and those are more funny situations. So like, right. I'll start laughing to myself because I think about like what would happen <laughs> if I did do it. And of course, in your mind, like punch through the Jenga would just be like a funny moment. Like people would just be like, okay. Did and the then I would just be like, just punch our Jenga. Yeah. I'd be like, oh, sorry. I got to go take some family photos now. <laughs> but it's that thought. And yeah. So I start chuckling to myself and my assistant's like, what are you laughing at? And it's like, it's too much to explain can, yeah. that I just had this random thought of like punching through the Jenga. Those people are playing. But yeah, same kind of idea where it's just, you think of like some crazy ass thing and you're just like, what if I just did that? But you don't. But you don't. We all mostly keep it in check. Mostly. But life would be a little funner if we didn't. At least with well, minor things right. like punching through the jacket right. or flipping the cake. That would yeah. be kind of fun. It'd be wild. It'd be okay. It'd be a great story. Nobody would die. But yeah. Yeah. It's kind of cool. Interesting. Yeah. So yeah, <clears throat> good, good topic. This was good. So like I said, it has, it's similar because again, like the intrusive thoughts yeah. for both, like most people have experienced the intrusive thoughts, right? but it's like not letting it go further, right? which, which is, is kind right. of what call of the void is, right. is experiencing, but you're not going through with it. And folly ado is those intrusive thoughts just <laughs> yeah. fucking just keep on going, just keep going Yeah, nest up in your brain. Yeah. So it's interesting. Yeah. Kind of cool. So both unknowable because we're not really sure why they function the way that they do. We're not really right. sure what they really do to like the brain and yeah. what purpose they serve, if any. Right. Yeah. They've both been studied, but nothing has been, yeah, yeah. defined as far as like, this is why it happens. This is who it happens to. It's just like, don't know. Right. Just, it's just some a thing. weird shit. Yeah. Some weird shit. Death drive. Yeah. The death drive. I like that. Yeah. That could be a cool movie. Right. I think. Probably wouldn't even be related to Call of the Void, but it would be cool. Right. Yeah. Death Drive. Death Drive. Yeah. Well, so episode 12. In the can. Of Unknowable. 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 All right, so that's not totally <laughs> the end, because you should go check out our stuff. Yes. Go to Facebook, Instagram, leave a review. Please. Tell people about us. Talk tell to us. Tell us what you think. Yeah, talk to us. Suggest stuff. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Unknowable. 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 Love you.